Greetings, I'm Pastor Theodore Faison. And I'm Pastor Linda Faison. And we welcome you to the Living Water Christian Center Church, where the word is plentiful and the spirit of the Lord lives. We're so glad you decided to join us today. We hope that your soul will be blessed as the word of God goes forth. Indeed, God deserves all the glory, all the praise, the worship, our, our strength and our devotion, our sacrifice, and of course, all the hallelujahs. We thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We thank you for your support, and we thank you for your online giving. This is the Living Water Church, and I'm Pastor Faison. We're going to begin a study this week in the book of 1 Peter, the epistle um, written by Peter, the first epistle of Peter, and let's pray. Father, we thank you now because you're our God and our Father. You hear our prayers. You see to our needs, and you provide this great salvation by Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we're so grateful. And as we enter this portion of the service, Lord, we ask that you enter in with us. Speak to us out of your word. Let us who have ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying unto this church and our hearers today, Lord. Touch our ears. Teach us to listen. Touch our eyes that we might see Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you again, and welcome again. We're in 1 Peter, chapter 1. Peter the apostle, he's the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's one of the 12. He's the apostle that, that lived with Jesus for about three years, and he's the one that was the spokesman of the group, so it seems. Now, he's the outspoken one. He's the one that's going to say something that everybody's thinking. It's Peter. And Peter is the one that preached on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon his church, it was Peter that preached to the crowd that day. And souls came to the Lord from all over the world. And we're going to, we're in Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and it begins this way. Um, normally, the way they begin letters, like Paul began letters, they announce who they are, and they announce whom they're talking to. And Peter goes on and talks about how we are the elect. And we've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God. And he talks about these things. And we're going to start down here at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm reading from the New King James Version. So Peter is saying here that, that we're blessed. We are blessed, and, and, and blessed be God and Father. See, in the Old Testament, God was identified through the prophet, I mean, through the patriarchs. He was the God of our father, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, but in the New Testament, and even today, he's the God of our Lord, and his God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. That's how he's identified. He is identified through Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? And what, here's what he says here. He says that, um, who according to his abundant mercy begotten us, he begotten us. In other words, we have the new birth, and he's our father. Jesus always mentioned God as father. He's his father, and he's our father. Even when he taught, he talked about your, God, your father which is in heaven. He taught us to pray our Father which is in heaven. And so God is the Father of the church, of the saints. 
individually and collectively. And he begotten us. A begotten is a word that means that you fathered this person. So Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, and Jacob fathered about 12 sons and a couple of daughters. And so it's something that a father does. See, Mary did not begot Jesus, but she's a woman. She's a mom. Begotten is something that fathers do. And so I've begotten four children, and I've fathered, I love more than that, but I've physically begotten four. And we, have be, we are begotten of the Father, okay? So look what it says here. And because we're begotten of him, because he's our father, that means Jesus and us are siblings. Are you hearing me? Even though he's Lord and God, he's your brother too. He's the firstborn among many brethren, the scripture says. So Jesus is your brother, as well as being your Lord and your Christ. It says, to an inheritance uncorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Because we're sons of God, you know, the Bible says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And because we're sons of God, there's some benefits. Besides having God as our Father and Jesus, the Lord and Savior, as our brother, we have an inheritance. We share. We share an inheritance in, with Jesus Christ. See, here's what Christ done for us. He gave us everything that he has. And he, gave, he made us who he was, who he is. Because he's a son, he made us sons. We're sons and daughters. And because he has an inheritance, we share it in his inheritance. Even though he's the firstborn, and, and under the tradition, the firstborn got a double portion, but he's sharing that with us. Okay? So here's, here's, we have this inheritance, and it's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade. It doesn't tarnish. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away. We have an inheritance in heaven. We have a heavenly inheritance. Another place the scripture says that we sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. All right, so we the saints of the living God, we have our feet on the ground, and we have our citizenship in heaven. We have an inheritance in heaven, and we sit with Jesus in heavenly places, and we have these things to look forward to. And, but here's the verse I want you to look at. He says, who, talk about us, who are kept, by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay? It says that you are kept. See, we, 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 I grew up in church. I came up in church, and we used to have the saying, stay saved. Now, y'all stay saved. Go to college. Stay saved. You go on vacation. Don't, don't stay saved. Stay, stay saved. Like, like, like it was up to you. But the scripture says that we are kept. We are kept by the power of God. And that word kept means that we are guarded. We are guarded by the power of God. Okay? And so we are kept by him. He keeps us. Do you understand that? I understand as saints we need to conduct ourselves right. And we need to behave ourselves. And we need to do things that are, you know, conducive to being Christians. But the salvation that we have is kept by God. Okay? It's kept by God. And so you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed 
in the last time. So the salvation that you have now and that you're living is going to be revealed in the last time or the last days. So here's how this works. He saves you. And he continues to save you. And that salvation is revealed now and it's going to be revealed later. So saints, when, you, when you're going through and you're feeling like, um, oh, I don't feel saved today. If you ever had that feeling? Uh, or if you have some, some trials and some temptations and some, and some stuff come in your mind that doesn't seem to be Christian-like, you know, um, you say, well, you know, I shouldn't be thinking like that. I'm supposed to be saved. Yeah, you are saved, right? And you're being tested and you're being tried even in your mind. See, because here's, here's, here's what we deal with. We have three opponents in our salvation. All right, you have the devil. <laughs> you have the devil. He hates you. He's kicked out of heaven. He used to be an angel. He's their adversary. He's Satan. And he's the one. He comes against you, and he wants to tempt you and try you and cause you to stumble and fall. He can't take the salvation from you. All right? You have that. And so you're dealing with that. You have the world, the whole cosmos, the worldly system that's, that's set up against you. The world is contrary to, to the things of God. You have the whole worldly system. I mean, you could look at, you could look at public school education. You could look at entertainment. You could look at um, society, and they're all pointing against Jesus, against the things of God. And you have to, you have to deal with that. And the other opponent that you have is your own flesh. <laughs> yes, 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 you got this right here. We said this before. Now, you can rebuke the devil. You can resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you at least for a little while. You could abstain from the things of the world. Yeah, you can, if you choose to. You could abstain from those things. But this flesh, man, you're stuck with it. The only thing we can do with this is mortify it. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Hear what I'm saying? We have to mortify, we have to kill off, not the flesh, just the deeds, just those bad things that we try to do and the stuff that comes in our head that we want to do. We have to mortify those things. We have to, we have to insert, insert, in certain words, resist ourselves. Resist ourselves. You know? You can't hide from yourself, somebody said, because everywhere you go, there you are. Okay? So you have to carry this with you, and you have to work on it, and you have to discipline it. And we have to discipline our minds, too. We're going to talk more about that. So look what it says here. All right? And so in verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay? We've been grieved by various trials. We go through things. Um, um, James said that the trying of your faith works patience. Okay, um, Paul said in, in, um, in Romans chapter 12, he says, be conformed, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And he says that, that we, we do this thing, we be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and so, so, we could be, so we could prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. And prove, the word prove means to be proved through testing. So it's a testing way. As believers, you're going to be tested. We're going to be tested.
going to try, we're going to be tried. We're going to be tested. And what happens when the test, when, when you go through the test, it proves that you are genuine. Okay? Just like when they, they test stones and they want to know if this is gold or if this is some other stone, they put it to the test to prove that it's genuine or not. And sometimes that testing is harsh and sometimes it's by fire. But we go through the trials, we go through the tests, we go through the temptations. And it proves who we are. Okay? And that verse in Romans, it says that you might prove what is the acceptable, perfect will of God. It says that you can prove it to yourself what God's will is. All right? So the Lord knows us. He knows who we are. Satan knows us too. And the world doesn't care. But you can prove it to yourself. I have proven to myself that I'm sure enough saved by the things I'm going through and by my faith in Jesus Christ. Because we are saved through faith. Amen? Okay. So let's look at this again. It says, I'm going to read verse um, 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So you're going to be revealed in the last time. Okay? Verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Seven, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the trying of your faith. Remember that the, the original readers of this letter are being persecuted. They're being ostracized. They're losing jobs, they're losing homes, and they're even being put to death. They're being persecuted. If they were in Jerusalem, they'd be being persecuted by the Jews. But now they're out in the world, um, they're being persecuted by Rome. All right, so they're going through these things, and the Lord is, um, the word is telling them that it's, it's for a little while. Okay? It may feel like a lifetime, but it's for a little while. When you go through, when you're being tested, when you're being tried, it's, it's temporary. It really is. Oh, no, Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how long it's been. You don't know, and you're right, you're right. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how long it's been, and it seems like forever, but it's not forever. It's not forever. You will go through. You will be tested, whether it's in the body or in society or with other people you'll go through, but it won't last forever. At some point, it will come to an end, okay? And it will show who you really are. You know, under stress, we reveal ourselves. You know what I'm saying. Let's put some pressure on that young man, see who he really is, okay? Uh, like when you do those interviews, they ask you what they call stress questions. <laughs> it's been such a long time since I had an interview. Uh, but if they ask you stress questions. They want to test you. They want to see who you are. They want, to, they want to know, you know, on the job and in different places, you know, you, you get tested, you get stressed, all right? And, uh, and you get um, pressured. And when the pressure's on, who are you? That's what comes out. You know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Go through some pain. Go through some agony and some disappointment. Let's see who you are. Your mouth will open. And it will reveal what kind of man you are. 
the scripture says, as the man thinks in his heart, so is he. All right. So we have to um, consider how we think, <laughs> consider what we consume in our minds and our hearts and everything. Okay. Look what it says here. I have to do a lot of reading today. Bear with me. That the genuineness of your faith, your faith. See, the faith is a powerful thing. Um, your faith, we're talking about your trust in God. The same faith that you had to be saved, the same faith that you had when you came to Jesus and asked him to save your soul, that same faith is that same faith that you're going to live with, okay? And the genuineness of your faith comes out. Being much more, it says, it's more precious than gold because gold would perish, okay? And it's more precious than gold and the testing of your fire and the and the reveals and what reveals in you is honor and glory, you know, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, see, here's what's gonna happen. One day Jesus is coming back. Because we serve a resurrected Lord. Okay? We don't serve a martyr um, who's dead. He's not one of those folks who started something and then died off. Right? He's resurrected, he's a living God, and we have a living hope. And so one day he's coming back. He's here with us, but he's coming back to gather the saints. Whether he gather you individually or whether he gather us all in the rapture, he's coming back. And he's going to be revealed. He's going to be revealed. Okay? And so at that time, there's going to be glory and honor. There's going to be glory and honor for you. You know you have crowns. You have rewards um, prepared for you according to your conduct as a Christian. Right? Your, your salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. By grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift. All right? That's not a reward. It's not a reward for what good church boy you've been. No. It's a gift. Your salvation is a gift because the Lord took us while we were ranked sinners and saved us. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet ungodly, Christ died for us. Remember? Okay, but that's not, that's not a gift. That's, I mean, that's not a reward. Salvation is a gift. But there's rewards after that. And, and you're gonna, there's some honor, and there's a lot of joy. And you, hopefully you have joy now, but you're going to have tremendous joy later on. Okay, and it talks about that's revealed in, by Christ. And verse 8 says, whom having not seen, you love. <laughs> you haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. How can that be? Because, because of the faith that you have in him. And because of the personal relationship you have through him. All right. Even though we see we don't see him physically like Peter did, but we see him in the spirit. We see him by faith. Okay. And whom having not seen your love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with great, express, expressible, and full of glory. You have this joy inexpressible, and it's full of glory. Un, un, you have this joy because you believe in Christ. Remember, um, the joy of the Lord is your strength, the Bible says. So we have this joy. We rejoice in him, even though we have not seen him. Peter was, was um, privileged to live with him, to hear him, to touch him, touch the man Christ Jesus. But, of course, Jesus said he can't stay here because if I don't go, the, the Father won't send the promise. And so what's, what's here for us is that we have the promise of his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is sent to us. 
right? So everybody can have him. See, when Jesus was here, he could only be in one place at one time because he was the man, Christ Jesus. And he went from this place, he went to that place, and people pursued him and followed him, and the apostles lived with him. He, he was limited to the physical body that he was in, right? But now, now he's unlimited because through the Holy Ghost, he could be with everybody. He could be here, he could be there, every person. And when we're praying, no matter how we're praying, and the different ones praying, he, God can hear all the prayers because he's the living God and, and, and answer those for us. All right, so we don't have them. We don't have them physically, but we do have them by faith. And better than that, he has us. That's what I love about this thing. He has us. All right, of the salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that was to come. And here's the thing. The prophets, um, they prophesied the suffering of Christ. They prophesied the reign of Christ. But guess what they did not see? They didn't see you. They didn't see us. All right? They prophesied about the things that the Christ was going to do. Um, we read Isaiah chapter 53 and talks about the life of Christ. Um, sometimes it's called the, the gospel according to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about how he grew up and how he's going to suffer and how he's going to be rewarded. Those kind of things. We, we read scriptures like um, uh, Psalms 22, you know, um, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And we talk about the sufferings of Christ. And we read different scriptures in the Old Testament about his reign. All right? And remember that Christmas scripture that we like to quote? The one that says, um, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know what I'm talking about? All right? And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and they're going to call his name Wonderful, Mighty God, and all these beautiful things. Well, guess what? That talks about his birth, and it talks about his reign. But in between, in between a son is given, and the next verse is a whole long story of the gospel in the church. Right? It doesn't talk about his suffering. And it does talk about the birth of the church. and does talk about the age that we're in. We're the church age. And, and even though the prophets prophesied these things, they did not necessarily see us. Even Joel, even the prophet that says, in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, didn't recognize that it was going to be us. <laughs> you know? He didn't recognize that it was going to be heathens that's going to be saved. He didn't see that. And he, and he didn't recognize that he didn't just pour out his spirit upon us. He poured out his spirit in us. See, the idea of the spirit of God being upon somebody was foreign to the prophets. I mean, being in somebody was foreign. Because we know the Lord poured out his spirit upon different ones to do great things. Right? And his spirit came upon Samson. And he destroyed a lot of enemies. His spirit came upon this one. And he prophesied. His spirit came upon this one. And, and so... You know, the idea of his spirit being in us was foreign, even to the prophets of old. All right? So what we have, we have something they didn't have. You and I have something David didn't have. Moses didn't have it. Abraham did not have it. You have his spirit in you, not just around you, not just upon you, right? Not just being active for you, but his spirit is in you. You, you have a, a taste 
of the Holy Ghost. More than a taste, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Believers are being filled with the Holy Ghost today. All right? And so what we have here, we have here because we live this thing by faith, and we go and we love Jesus by faith because we don't know, we haven't seen him. Though we haven't seen him, we love him. We go through trials, we go through testing, and the testing will reveal that you are genuine. Please don't doubt the salvation that you have. Don't doubt Jesus. You have, the, you have genuine salvation, even if it doesn't feel like it. We said this before. Sometimes I don't feel saved. Sometimes I have some desires that are not just, are not correct. I have some desires that are not correct. Sometimes I'm being tempted and drawn to um, do some things. Amen. You know? And so what we have here, we have, we have, a, we have the situations that challenge our faith. But faith could be challenged and faith could be tested, and that's fine. Amen? Amen. So look here. Let's go back to the scripture. And we're going to go verse 9. Um, receive, receive in the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. Right? Verse 10 talks about the prophets, how they search this thing out. Verse 11 says, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he tested beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So they prophesied his sufferings and they prophesied his glory. They did not necessarily prophesy us. Okay? Verse 12 says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Oh, what you have here, the prophets didn't know it. They didn't experience it. Um, David and the kings and the priests, they did not have what you have. They did not have what you have. They did not have that personal relationship. They did not have the sonship. You know, they did not have that. Okay? You have sonship. See, he's not just your God and Lord and King. He's your God and your Father. Messiah is just not the Lord and God of your soul. He's, he's your brother. <laughs> you have the sonship. He shares his sonship with you. Okay? And so he's a son and so are we. Um, we're sons. We're male sons and female sons, by the way. All right? So, or sons and daughters of the, of the living God. And that's what we have. We have a relationship that those folks did not have. They, they look into it. They prophesied about it. And they saw it in the future sense by faith. We hear the gospel and we receive it by faith. Okay? And even the angels, even the angels look into it and, don't, and do not have the experience that you had. See, we have been redeemed. <laughs> we were born natural born sinners all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there are no exceptions there's none righteous no not one everybody has sinned even that precious mama of yours is a sinner at one time all right and that person that you think of is a real I mean that's a real saint you know that person you think of with saints they were all sinners and we were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity 
because of what our father Adam has done. Okay? Now, listen. Don't blame Adam for your behavior. All right? <laughs> You're responsible for your own behavior. All right? But I'm born in sin because of Adam. And what Christ has done, he came and became like us. Um, Philippians chapter 2 talks about how he, um, being in the form of God, thought of not robbery to be equal with God, because he was equal with God. You know, the son is equal to the father, by the way. Right? Thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made in himself no reputation. Or he poured out, another translation said he, he emptied himself out of this glory, even though he still remained divine, of course. He emptied himself out of the glory, and he became like us. See, the problem of sin is a problem that cannot be fixed by people. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. Um, David can't fix it. Moses can't fix it. The prophets can't fix it. The priests can't fix it. The sacrifices can't fix it. You know, you can kill all the bulls, goats, and lambs you want. It won't fix the problem of sin. Even the Day of Atonement doesn't fix sin. The Day of Atonement was a... Atonement is a covering. So that day, it covers the sin. Okay? It just covers it. It doesn't eliminate it. What did Jesus do? Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, came and he, he became the perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Okay? He's the perfect Lamb of God. And he takes away our sins. And when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty. He paid the penalty. He took the punishment. He, 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 took, he met all the requirements for sin. Because the wages of sin is death. But thankfully, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? So he, he, he took all the punishment of sin. He took it on. Right? And because he's risen again, <laughs> we have a lively hope. We have a living hope. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave because he's alive and evermore. So he, he, there's a sin problem. The world is full of sin. People are full of sin. And here's the problem. It can't be fixed, and God had to fix it himself. And he fixed it himself through Jesus Christ. And he fixed it as a man, no other person could do it. He fixed it as a man, and Jesus Christ came and lived and gave his life, the perfect sacrifice, the sprinkling of blood, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he's risen again on the third day, right? The prophets didn't see it. The angels look into it. And you and I are the privileged ones because we have the salvation that we could live with the salvation. And so even though I had these tendencies that aren't seem to be right, I still say, the Lord has kept me. It's he that keeps our salvation. He keeps us. And I'm saying to you today, if you can't say that for yourself, if you're not sure, if you don't know if you're saved or not, you can know just for the asking. Through faith in Jesus Christ, anybody, everybody, no matter what, can be saved today. Just for the asking. I mean, if he saved the folk that's in our church, he could save everybody. Amen. You know? And he could save you, wherever you are. Just ask him to come into your life. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe that he's the son of God, 
If you believe that he was risen from the dead, that he gave his life and he was risen from the dead, just ask him in. It's as simple as saying, I need to be saved. Lord, come in my life, save me. And he'll do it right away. And from that day forward, the Lord will keep you through his power. From that day forward, you'll be a son of God, a daughter of God. From that day forward, you will receive the inheritance of the saints, a heavenly inheritance that Peter talked about. From that day forward, you will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. You'll be born again. You'll experience the new birth. And you can have that for the asking. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this new birth, for the salvation you've freely given us, for the opportunity you gave us to be sons of God. And we are so grateful that you bestowed such love upon us that we are called the sons of God. And we're grateful that it, we're even grateful that the world doesn't recognize us because it doesn't recognize you. But when you appear, we're going to be just like you. We're going to see you as you are. We thank you for the salvation, Lord. And we thank you for all that you're doing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you ask the Lord into your heart, you're saved. If you believe it by faith, he will do what you ask him to do. You can let us know in our um, social media outlets if you gave your heart to the Lord, and we gladly um, reach out to you and, um, and encourage you to live for Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you very much. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter in place. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. To support our ministry with your tithes and offering, you can use PayPal at livingwaterccc, Cash App at Living H2O Church, or Zelle at 973-902-9933. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.